In the name of our crucified, risen, and ascended Lord Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Jesus said, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also, Jesus said to his disciples, will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, what exactly is truth? Two simple questions for us today. What is truth and what does truth do? My undergrad studies took me through liberal arts. It was something I just loved. I ate it up. Lots of philosophy, lots of of history, arts, humanities, that sort of thing. But you know, the one subject that I struggled with the most throughout those liberal arts days was this concept of truth, especially as it pertains to philosophy. I became immersed, as most colleges and universities will teach, in writings of the last 100 to 200 years, such as G.E. Moore and Bertrand Russell. The pursuit of truth, how do you define it, where is it, and and our post postmodern age, that question has many answers. But it's a question that goes back 2,000 years ago and maybe even before. Do you remember Pontius Pilate and the questions that he asked of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as Jesus was judged there in the Praetorium? Pilate's first question, are you a king, Mr. Jesus? Are you a king? Should I be concerned that you're going to come in and, and, and tell me what to do and tell the Roman government what to do? Is there a reason that I should crucify you? Are you a king, Jesus? And Jesus, of course, who, by the way, is truth incarnate, and that's where a Christian must always start, Jesus, standing there, the incarnate truth, answers the question this way, my kingdom... Your governor, Pilate, is not of this world. And then Jesus goes on and talks about who he is and what he has come to do. And it has everything to do with our gospel text for today. It has everything to do with these Sundays after Easter. We've celebrated Ascension now, and there is yet a couple more big festivals coming up. One, of course, is Pentecost. The Ascension, 40 days after Easter, which we celebrated on Thursday. Pentecost, 50 days when when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in tongues of fire. When they profess and confess the truth of God's word in languages that they never learned or studied. But Jesus answers Pilate and answers our question about truth this way. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. You might not have thought about that very often when you think about why Jesus came into the world. We are, after all, correctly taught at a young age that Jesus came into the world to, to die for me, to save me from my sins, and that's absolutely true. But there's even more to that, especially as we mature, especially as we live in an age, especially today, where everybody claims to have the truth. You follow the news cycles. You probably have your favorite columnist or newscaster or blogger. 
And they all have different opinions, not only about what's going on with the pandemic, but on all sorts of other matters. But then when you listen to some of the other arguments on the other side, you're like, wow, I can, I can kind of see that too. So where is truth? Where does a Christian find truth? And where do you stake your very life and your well-being? Because here's the warning. If you stake your very life and your well-being and your peace on anything that comes from this world or on anyone other than the man, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His very dear word, well, you're going to find yourself in a hot mess. For this Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. And Jesus goes on, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So of all the voices that surround your ears, that are on your smart screens and your, your flat panels, and, and maybe you still read something known as a newspaper. It's printed on paper. You open it up. What is truth? Where is it? And what does it mean to, to listen to Jesus' voice more than that? What does it mean to be of the truth. The first part of the answer to our questions comes from John 15, 16 here. And you might have noticed as, as, as we prepare for Pentecost and even for Holy Trinity Sunday, the, the historic church goes back to these sections from John. The apostles did this for a reason. They went back and said, oh, remember when Jesus warned us that that was going to happen? Or remember when Jesus was teaching us this? We need, to, we need to study and we need to listen to these words. We didn't get it right the first time around. Sinners normally don't. So Jesus is preparing them to send them a helper, the very spirit of truth, the third person of the Trinity, because after his ascension, he will no longer walk the earth. They will no longer be able to sit at his feet. They will no longer be able to see his face or hold his hand or give him a hug. And what has he left for them? Well, he's left his word, of course, which they wrote down. And thanks be to God that we have the New Testament. But he does something even more powerful than that. He sends the Holy Spirit. And he tells them now, these beloved disciples as they will start what's known as the Christian church, that you also will bear witness about me. So in other words, truth starts with God, Father, Son incarnate, and now the Holy Spirit who descends upon the apostles. Why is this? What is truth for? It's for the whole world. That there would be truth now that would lead to everlasting life that there would be a sure and certain word that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can cling to. And that truth is what the devil is always trying to upend. What does truth do? Truth, we're told, is simply God's name. If you look at the Old Testament reading and listen closely from Ezekiel 36... Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. Over and over again, Scripture tells us that God 
did not act because there is anything good or pleasing in us. In other words, we are not worthy of God's love. We are sinful from the moment of conception. And not only that, all of creation is tainted. And boy, how we see the effects of sin now. And boy, how that can cause you to be afraid and fearful. Boy, how that can change your very life and the very peace that you may have, you and your households, sinful from conception. But God doesn't stop there. He says, I am about to act, and I'm going to do that for the sake of my holy name. God acts because of who he is, not because of who you are or what you have done. There is nothing you can do to appease a holy and righteous God. There is nothing you can do to get him to shower blessings down upon you. He does that because of who he is, for the sake of his name. His name now, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords who comes in the flesh to take all of your sin and disease and pandemics and all that that sin is and take it into himself and there to bear that weight upon Calvary's tree and to do that not for you because you are worthy but to do that for the whole world, to do that because that's exactly what God sent him to do to bear His holy name. So the Spirit now testifies to the Father, testifies to Jesus. Truth, then, we learn is is not of this world. And so if you're constantly looking for truth here, you will not find it. But you will find it in His Word. And you will find it where He comes to dwell with you in the waters of holy baptism, in the Lord's Supper. You who have been rescued out of the world, and and that's why we call this the divine service. That's why I got a little emotional earlier, Pastor Grady. To gather together again with you. I mean, church means fellowship, literally. And so the past eight, nine weeks, well, it's been hellacious for all of us. But to gather now, in the presence of God and the saints and the angels above, to gather together with all those of faith. Listen to these words from Ezekiel. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Now we know this is a specific promise for the promised land that they would later receive, but it's much more than that if you put all the words together. It's what God gives you. It's His, His holy divine presence. It's heaven open. Heaven not only above, but heaven here and now. Listen to the rest of these words. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. You see, you have truth, and you probably don't even realize it. And yet you as a sinner seek for truth in all sorts of ways, shapes, and forms. How do you know if you have truth? Have you been washed clean with water in His Word? Are you baptized? To the world, that sounds so silly, doesn't it? Am I saved? Are you baptized? Oh, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? 
how can that really do anything? Let's put that under a microscope. Let's analyze that in philosophy class. Good luck with that. We simply trust God's Word. So what is truth? Well, truth is God. What does truth do? It saves and rescues you. It leads you. It guides you through the valley of the shadow of death. It brings you to pastures green. Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation that you have daily in your baptism. And for those of you not able to come with us here to church today, have no fear, little flock. For in your baptism, in your faith, you gather with us, connected with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. What a blessing to have this truth. As the disciples proclaimed it, may we continue to proclaim His truth and receive His gifts. That's all. In the name of Jesus. Amen.